the Lord's power shine through in a magnificent and majestic way that stands out in Scripture. Also it says, the book of Daniel makes it clear that the true God is supreme ruler over heaven and earth. Even when all seems lost and the consequences of sin seem so overwhelming. So those are some lessons there that we get from, uh, from the book of Daniel. And we find encouragement to walk faithfully even though we're living in troubled times. We see things that like the Almighty God and His power is displayed in this world. The Almighty God is the ruler of heaven and earth, and His eternal kingdom will be ushered in at the appointed time. And because of all of those things, we should live faithfully anticipating the coming eternal kingdom, even when the times seemed troubled. So we're studying the book of Daniel, and today we're going to look at Daniel in, in the lion's den, and it's a story that I'm sure that the majority of us are familiar with, but it's going to be our last encouragement to walk faithfully. And as we already discussed, as we read Daniel chapter number 6, we are going to see three different groups, and I want you to think about how they respond to these circumstances. We're going to see, of course, Darius, who is the leader, and we're going to see Daniel, and then we're going to see the devious ones. We're only going to be read one verse to begin with, we're going to read Daniel chapter number 6 and verse number 20. And this is Darius when he comes to the lion's den. Listen to what he says. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually? Able to deliver thee from the lion's den? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, pray that you'll open our hearts and open our minds. Help us to think through the fact that you are worthy. That you are worthy of our service. You are worthy of us walking faithfully with you. And I just pray, God, today that as we dig into your word, that you'll open our hearts and open our minds and that we might find encouragement to walk faithfully, even though the days seem troubled. We thank you for the examples that you have given us in, our, in your word to help us. I pray, God, that your son Jesus Christ will be glorified through our sermon today. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So we're going to begin back in, in verse number 1, and we're going to see, first of all, Darius the potentate. Darius the potentate. It says in verse number 1, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom an hundred and twenty princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was the first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was found in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. So we see Darius the potentate. And, and Darius is, he's been made governor by Cyrus. Now, Darius wasn't the king over the Medo-Persian Empire. He was 
he was governor over uh, Babylon in this area, and he was given that by Darius. If you want to turn a few pages and see in Daniel chapter number 9 and verse number 1, we see Darius, who was the leader of the Medo-Persian Empire. It says, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. So Cyrus is the one who made Darius king over this realm. He made him leader over this realm. But, but Cyrus was the leader over the entire Medo-Persian empire. And I wanted you to bring that out about Cyrus because Cyrus is an interesting character for us in the scripture and really the prophecy of Cyrus becoming king or becoming the leader of the Medo-Persian Empire is one of the things that early in my Christian walk allowed me to see the truth of the Word of God in it. And the, the, the prophecy of Cyrus becoming this leader of the Medo-Persian Empire is one of the things where I said, hmm, the Word of God is true. God made prophecies, and those prophecies were fulfilled. And, it's, and like I said, it's one of the first ones where that really sunk into me. And so I, I want to look at that today, and, and we're going to look at two different passages of Scripture. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter number 44 and verse number 28, and then we're going to look at Ezra chapter number 6 and verse number 3. And I have them in my notes, so I'm just going to read them. But, but Isaiah is making this prophecy. And Isaiah makes the prophecy that Cyrus would give the command to rebuild Jerusalem. It says, Isaiah 44, 28, That saith of Cyrus, He is my shepherd, and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to thy temple thy foundation shall be laid. The interesting thing about this is that, you know, if you just read that, that might not stick out of, of the page for you, but actually, when Isaiah wrote those words, that was in the 8th century B.C. And so Isaiah calls a king by name who said that king will give the command to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. That's in the 8th century B.C. Then we find in the book of Ezra, which is in the 6th century B.C., it says this, Ezra 6.3, in the first year of Cyrus the king, the same Cyrus the king, made a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Let the house be builded, the place where they offered sacrifices. Let the foundations thereof be, be strongly laid, the height thereof threescore cubits, and the breadth thereof threescore cubits. That's in the 6th century B.C. that that takes place. So I want you to think about this. 200 years before Cyrus was born, the prophet of God, and again, this is a pagan king in a pagan country, okay? They would have no reason to uh, fulfill what the Word of God says. They're pagans. They don't care about God. They're Medo-Persians. They, they don't care about the God of Israel. But the prophet of God in Israel, 200 years before, said that Cyrus is going to become a king, and he's going to become a king, and he's going to give the command to rebuild the temple walls. And then 200 years later, what happens? Cyrus rises to the place of being king. And what does he do? He gives the command to rebuild the temple walls. The point being, the prophet of God spoke, and then what the prophet of God spoke was fulfilled. And it was fulfilled in a pagan 
king. To me, folks, that is amazing. But I don't want to dwell there too long, but I just wanted you to see this shows us the omniscience of God. This shows us the sovereignty of God. He sets up kings and he puts them down and, and whatsoever he decrees is going to come to pass. And that should give us encouragement as we look into the word of God and we think about the things that the word of God says about the future. God has told us about them in the past. And so we know that what God has said in the past is going to be fulfilled in the future. And that should be an encouragement to us as we're thinking about living faithfully in troubled times that what God says in his word is true and what he promises is going to happen we should know it's going to be fulfilled and so as we look out into the world today we should think about the current events that are happening in this world and we ought to know and understand that they're all underneath the, the hand of God and they're all happening according to the appointed time of God and this is where the sovereignty of God that we learned in Daniel chapter number four that's where it, it applies to our everyday life and that should be encouragement to us in our lives to know that the Word of God is true. But here we go back to Daniel 6 and we, we think about that. And Darius, who has made governor over this, he's made king over this, made potentate, you might say, over this area. He has this plan of how he's going to operate his realm of authority and he sets up princes, 120 of them it says, and then over those princes he sets up three who he calls presidents. And the reason he does that, it, it tells us in, in verse number 2 that so the king should have no damage. In other words, if the people begin to start complaining to Darius about what's going on, he's going to say, hey, look, don't look at me, it's the prince's fault. Don't look at me, it's the president's fault. I mean, you know, he's going to deflect all responsibility and, to, to those. And so that's the reason that Darius has this plan. But we also see this, that Daniel was preferred above all the presidents and the princes. So there's something about Daniel. And, and by now we've been, like I've said, this is our sixth week going through the book of Daniel and looking at the life of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and there ought to be something that stands out to you. And, and there's been one point that you should be, have been able to notice, and it is the character of Daniel and the three Hebrew children. You should be able to notice that their character stood out and there was something different about them as they were walking faithfully to the Word of God. And, and here we see it again. An excellent spirit was in him. They were, the character of Daniel was known that he was different than everyone else, that he, that he was living differently than everyone else. And, and an excellent spirit was in him, it is said. And listen, as we are living faithfully, in troubled times, the same should be able to be said about us. Our character should be noticed. People ought to know our moral character and the high standard by which we live, that we live according to the Word of God, and we have an excellent spirit in us that was known about Daniel, and let's make sure that that's known about us, that our character is consistent, and an excellent spirit is found in us. But now we get the devious plot in verses 4 through 9. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it 
against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom and the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains, and this just popped out to me, but all the presidents of the kingdom, not, not all the presidents, two of the presidents, they left Daniel out of this equation. But anyway, all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors, the princes, the counselors, the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. So, so we have this devious plot. They come up. The presidents, they are jealous of Daniel. I mean, here Daniel is made the number one president, and it's known about him. And apparently, uh, Darius, you know, had an affection for him because an excellent spirit is found in him. And so Daniel is preferred. And so, you know, they, they, they're out to get him. And they, they can't stand it that, that Daniel has this place of preference. And the interesting thing, instead of looking at the example of Daniel and saying, you know what, maybe we should be more like Daniel. Instead of trying to pull up their own character to match the character of Daniel, they say, hey, let's just tear Daniel down. And you know, let's not be that type of person either. You know, that's one of the problems in our culture today. Instead of looking at someone that is successful and trying to say, you know, maybe I should try to be more like them, we try to tear them down. We try to sully their character. We try to find some error in them. We, won't, we, we can't stand it that they have a higher position than us or because they have, a, they have a higher view than us, and so we want to do everything we can to try to pull them down. Like, listen, that was, that was a point of the character of these other presidents, and let's not be known like that. Let's not be known as people who like to tear others down. Let's, you know, the Scripture says encourage one another and build each other up, and we should be people who are known as those who edify others, or those who build others up instead of being known as those who tear people down. But here are these presidents attempting to destroy the character of Daniel. And one of the things we want to realize as Christians walking faithfully in troubled times, we need to understand that we're going to have enemies. We're going to have those who want to try to destroy our character, who want to try to pull us down, who want to destroy us, who want to see us fail. And so we just want to understand that. You know, it's important for us to have that understanding. And so then it tells us that as they're thinking about Daniel and they're like, they, they, they tried to investigate his life and try to find out every way they could to find a way that they might accuse him and to find a way that they could destroy him. But it tells us in verse number four that they could find none occasion nor fault. Hmm. Think about that. They could find none occasion or fault in Daniel. They knew that they could find no fault except they find it concerning the law of his God, it tells us in verse number 5. So I want you to think about this yourself. I want you to think about your character. And I want you to think about how people view your character. And is your character spotless? Are you a person of integrity? And if people investigated your life, could they say, well, I can find no fault 
There's no error in that person. Let's strive to live that way. Let's strive that the only way that they can find a fault in us is if they find it according to the law of God. That we're walking faithfully according to the word of God and they might accuse us because we're walking faithfully according to the word of God. And if that be the case, so be it. But let's make sure that they can't look at us and say, oh, that person's a liar or that person's a drunkard or that person's a pornographer or that person's always in a bad mood or that person is always you know, tearing people down or whatever. Let's make sure as Christians that we're walking with Jesus Christ because He's worthy and He's called us to be holy because He is holy and let's strive to live in holiness so that if they were going to look at our character, they would have to search hard to find a problem in our character. And so they devise this plot. They, they, devise, the, the, they devise the plot knowing this. Here's what they knew. Daniel prayed three times a day. That Daniel would go and he would open the windows of his room and he would get on his knees and he would pray to the God of heaven. And so the plot is, they will trick Darius into making a decree saying that anyone that makes a, a petition of anyone other than Darius, well, that person needs to be thrown in the lion's den because, Darius, they're, they're praying to somebody than you. They're, they're trusting in someone between. Oh, Darius, you're such a great king, Darius, that can you believe that someone would make a petition of a god or a king or anyone besides you, Darius? And listen, Darius, if they're going to trust in someone besides you, then then you can't trust them anyway, so you need to throw them in the lion's den. And so that's their plot, and they proposition the king, and as I've already said, they come and say, oh, King Darius, live forever. They stroke the king's pride, and they imply that no one is, too, is worthy to be petitioned other than Darius, because you're such a great king, Darius. There is no one that's worthy to be petitioned besides you. And so Darius is like, I am a great king, and people should petition me because I'm so great. So I agree with you. Let's make that decree, and I'm going to sign that decree. And whoever prays to any god or makes any petition to anyone besides me, they need to be thrown in the lion's den. And so Darius, he signs that decree, and what do we know? It wasn't very wise out of Darius. This is one of those places where there's wisdom in a multitude of uh, counselors, and this is one of those places where Darius would have been wise to consult other counselors. Maybe even go to your favorite, your most preferred um, president and say, Daniel, what do you think about this? Do you think this is a decree that I should make? And Darius or Daniel probably would say, hey, hey King, you know I'm going to pray three times a day. And if you make that decree, then that's going to make me guilty. So you know, I don't think it's a very wise decree. You know, he could have, if he'd asked advice for someone, but instead he was lifted up in pride himself, and he began to, like, yeah, look at me, I'm Darius. And so he made the decree, he signed it. He should have not made the decision in haste. Here again is advice for us, right? There, there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. It's, you, you, you need to understand that there, there's times when you should consult others to find how they see things, especially if you're consulting the Word of God, and this is a place that you ought to go and you ought to find the Word of God and the answer in the Word of God, and you need to be careful of making about making decisions in haste because sometimes when you make decisions in haste, you can make unwise decisions. So, so that's Darius. 
Darius signed a decree. Notice now, Daniel, though, prays. Daniel knows the decree, right? And Daniel knows because of the way the laws of Medo-Persians are set up, um, it cannot be changed. And, and Darius is going to say that in a minute. But if, if a law was passed, it couldn't be changed. And that comes to play in the book of Esther too, by the way. But, but so, so once the decree is signed and once the king puts his royal signet on it, it cannot be changed. And Daniel knows it. And Daniel knows the outcome. And what does Daniel do? Does Daniel say, Oh no, the king said that if we pray to anyone besides him that we're going to be thrown in the lion's den. I guess I shouldn't pray anymore. Is that what Daniel does? Does Daniel cower from the king's decree? It causes us to think about our own lives. When someone says you can't worship God, what do we do? Do we cower if someone says you can't worship God? Do we say, oh, I guess we can't worship God then? How do we respond? Daniel is unaffected by the ruling. Daniel prays verse, verse number 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave God thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king. Do you get that? Daniel which is the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then these men assembled, or then the king, when he heard these things, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, No, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. Then the king demanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king signed it, sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Did he do that in order to prove that Daniel was in the lion's den, or did he do it to prove that there was no mistake? Daniel did spend the night in the lion's den. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought in before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning. Well, we're going to stop right there. So, so Daniel prays. 
Daniel is unaffected by the king's ruling. Daniel continued to pray every day, just like he did before. And I want you to notice, Daniel didn't go and hide in a closet somewhere and say, you know, I'm going to go pray to God, but I'm going to do it when nobody can see me. No. Daniel went and he opened his windows just like he always did towards Jerusalem. And so his prayers were towards Jerusalem. And there's a reason behind that too. I'm not going to get into it today. But, you know, go there, go there 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, where it says, if my people which are called by my name. Anyway, that tells us why he's praying towards Jerusalem. But anyway, there he is. He's praying towards Jerusalem. Windows open. He's not hiding. He's not afraid. Think about this. Think how much Daniel must love God. He loves God so much that he's going to put his life in peril because he loves God so much. You know, as Christians living in troubled times, we need to make sure that our faithfulness to God cannot be deterred by the rulings of those in authority. We need to make sure that we serve God because God is worthy, even though the decree might be given for us not to do so. But also I want you to see here, and don't miss the point, that Daniel's praying three times a day. I think Daniel valued prayer. You pray th three times a day? D does your walk of faith, do people know that you're a person of faith? Do people know that you're a person of prayer? I mean, these other presidents and princes, they know. Listen, here's one thing we know about Daniel. Daniel prays three times a day. Daniel's a man of faith. Is our walk with Christ such that others know it? That others know that we walk with Christ? It should be known of us. And it tells us that Daniel is observed. The men found Daniel praying in verse number 11 and making supplication before his God. And Daniel's outed. Daniel's outed to the king. These presidents, ah, woo, we got him now. Daniel deserves to go to, to go to the lion's den. He's praying. He, he disobeyed the king's decree. We've got him now. So they went to the king and said, hey, Darius, guess what? <laughs> Remember you made that decree that if anyone prayed to anyone besides you that they ought to be cast into the lion's den. Well, your preferred president down there, guess what he just did? He just went and prayed. Can you see? Verse 14, can you see Darius? It says, the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased. You know, when you think about it, these, these presidents, these other princes, they thought that Darius would be angry and say something like, I can't believe that Daniel would... Uh, uh, disobey me. Yes! Send him to the lion's den. He deserves to die. That's what they thought the attitude of Darius would be. But instead, Darius said to himself, Darius, how could you be so foolish, Darius? Darius was displeased with himself. The presidents didn't get the response they thought they were going to get. Darius wants to, 
He worked, it says, all day to try to deliver him till the going down of the sun to deliver Daniel. And he couldn't find a way. And you know, here's the thing. I mean, it's obvious that Darius likes Daniel and he, and he sees the wisdom in Daniel and he's given this place of preference. And he didn't mean to betray Daniel. And he didn't mean for Daniel to get hurt by his decree. But he was. Daniel was hurt. Just know this, sometimes when you're living faithfully in troubled times, there may be some things that happen to you and when the decree is made, it might not be intentionally pointed at you. You might be collateral damage of the decision that someone else makes and, and you may be unintentionally betrayed by someone you know, Satan's wily and he knows how to manipulate things to make things happen. So just understand that, that sometimes you might be betrayed by someone who you think is your friend. Just recognize that. So it's just the way life happens sometimes. And the king wants to let Daniel go, but the prince has doubled down on Darius and said in verse 15, now king, now king, you know that the law is that no law can be changed. The law which the king establishes, it has to be accomplished. Here's what Darius knows. If I sweep this one under the rug, if I say, ah, oh, well, this decree doesn't matter, will he be able to enforce any of his decrees in the future? No, he won't, right? So Darius is right. You're right, guys. I made the decree. Bring Daniel. He's going to the lion's den. Verse 16 tells us that Daniel was sentenced to the lion's den. You know, living faithfully in troubled times may put us in some precarious predicaments. That's just... The way it is. But is God worthy of us being put in precarious predicaments? Did he rescue our lives? Did he redeem us from sin? Is his presence always with us? And we can say yes to all these things. So is he worthy of us being placed in some precarious predicaments? And the answer to that is yes. Never forget the worthiness of God. Never forget what he's done for you through Christ Jesus. And never forget that any sacrifice that you're called upon to make to him, for him, you will be rewarded for it. Never forget that. Remember he said, if you give as much as the cold water in my name, you'll not lose your reward so if you uh, allow yourself to be put in a position where you might suffer financially or physically or whatever if giving a cup of cold water is going to be rewarded then your sacrifice you make for God that he might be honored is going to be rewarded if not in this life you know in the life to come so recognize that God is worthy of us living faithfully Darius even though he calls for Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den, Daniel, or Darius still, he has faith that God is going to protect him. He tells Daniel, listen, thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Darius was sure that God would protect Daniel. And notice what it says. 
They took Daniel, they threw him in the lion's den. Darius signed the decree, you know, signed it with his ring, uh, the seal. He sealed it with his ring. But what did he do? He went back to his home, it says, and he spent the night pray, uh, fasting all night. He would not listen to music. He spent the night fasting. Now, that's an unusual conduct for a pagan king. You would expect the pagan king to say, yeah, Daniel's getting what he deserves. He, he didn't listen to me. He didn't listen to my decree. He prayed to God. And so Daniel's getting what he deserves. That's what you expect a pagan king to do. But he didn't. He went home and he fasted. And he expressed God's ability to, to deliver Daniel. And he trusted God. And li li listen, faith without works is dead. So your faith is going to be evident by the works that you perform. And when you're faced with a difficult situation, maybe you ought to do like the pagan king and go home and you should fast and, and, and pray and expect God to deliver. That's what Darius did. And so what do we find? Daniel is protected. Then the king arose, verse 19, Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. By the way, I've tried to think about the best way to read this verse with a lamentable voice. What is a lamentable voice? Anyway, and the king spake and said to Daniel, Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, he is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lion's den. Then Daniel said unto the king, O king, live forever! My God hath sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me, for as much as before him innocence was, innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him, and he commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the lion's den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. And the king commanded. And they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives, and the lions had the mastery of them, and break all their bones in pieces or ever they came at the bottom of the den. Before they hit the bottom of the den, they were consumed. So, so here comes Darius, and he asked that question. Daniel, was your God able to deliver you? You know, I don't know. I mean, what did Darius expect to hear when he came to the lion's den? I mean, if he really believed that God was able, he should have been expecting... Daniel, I know that God was able to deliver you. So he should have been expecting to hear Daniel's voice, but it seems like maybe he was expecting to hear a lion's burp there, you know. That, hey, boy, that was a good meal you just sent us last night. King, when do we get another one? It seems like that's what he expected. But God sent his angel, and the angel shut the lion's mouth. And here again, it's the same thing that happened to the three Hebrew children. No, they were not protected from the circumstances. They were protected through the circumstances. Let's remember that also. God never tells us that he will protect us from difficulties. He never tells us that he will protect us from trials. 
He doesn't tell us that we'll be protected from hurt. But he says there's no temptation taking you but such as common to man. And that God will make a way that you may be able to notice, doesn't say escape it, that's 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that you may be able to bear it. Let's always remember that. Some people will say, well, I've had a hardship in life and God doesn't love me or I can't believe all these bad things are happening to me. L listen, God never tells us once that we'll not face difficulties. By the way, remember, the book of Revelation tells us about the many martyrs who have lost their life for the cause of Christ. He never tells us that problems are not going to be present. He tells us he'll be with us that we may be able to bear it. Let's remember that. Never the absence. Always the presence and the ability to bear. So God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth. Is it the same angel that accompanied the three Hebrews' children? We don't know. We're not told. But we do know the angel of God shut the lion's mouth so they would not consume, and consume him. And what do we know about these lions? These lions were not fed. These lions were always kept in a state of raging hunger. So when anything was presented, they would be sure and consume what was in front of them. Daniel was protected because he says, I'm innocent before God. And I did thee no hurt. So again, living faithfully in troubled times, let that be known about us, that we're innocent and we do not hurt others. Darius is glad, it tells us in verse 23, the king was exceeding glad and brought Daniel up out of the lion's den. And, and Darius knew the reason that Daniel was protected was because of his faith in God. He knew that, that God protected him because he believed in his God, it tells us at the end of verse 23. And then the plot turns against the presidents. Just like Haman and his gallows, who made Haman, if you remember, prepared the gallows to hang Mordecai on. And what happened to Haman? Haman was hung on his own gallows that he built. So just like Haman and his gallows, these presidents who uh, wanted Daniel to die in the lion's den, the trap that they made for Daniel became their own trap and their notice children, their wives, everything. They lost it all. The lions had mastery of them and broke them in pieces. Then we read that Darius makes a decree in verse 25. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be, given un shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. He makes a decree that men fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. <laughs> Good advice for us also. But what does he notice about this God, the God of Daniel? He lives, he is steadfast, his kingdom cannot be destroyed. His kingdom will never end. He delivers and he rescues. He works signs and wonders. 
He delivered Daniel. Listen, all of those things are things that we ought to know. Those are things that we ought to believe in. They ought to be things that we hold on to as we walk through troubled times is that His kingdom cannot be destroyed and it will, it will not end. He delivers and He rescues and we should have that type of faith in God in knowing who He is. And Daniel was delivered. What encouragement to us as we live in troubled times. Daniel, like Nebuchadnezzar before him, understands the glory of the God of Israel. He knows that God is the living God, and of His kingdom there shall be no end. So what have we learned from this study of Daniel and his friends? We know that they were dedicated to walk faithfully with God, even those around them were not. Right? No one else, it seems no one else of all the children of the captivity were walking faithfully with God but Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they walked faithfully with God even though no one else did. There were a few. And so, as we're walking through this world in troubled times, there's going to be few that walk faithfully with God. But we should take encouragement that Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego walk faithfully with God, and if they can walk faithfully with God, then we can be too. We know that they love God. The reason they walked faithfully is because they had a deep love for God, and so it is the deep love that we have for God and for Jesus that will encourage us to walk faithfully even though the times are troubled around us. Do we love God enough to stand faithfully during troubled times? Why would we love God that much? Why would we love God so much that we would allow ourselves to be put in precarious predicaments? Well, because we know that He first loved us. Is that what 1 John tells us? We love Him because He first loved us. So we ought to love Him because we know that He loved us. And how much did He love us? The Scriptures say, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And so He loved you so much that He laid down His life for you. He laid down His life for us. Shouldn't we be love Him the same? If He rescued our life from the clutches of Satan, shouldn't we be willing to surrender our lives to Him? Is He worthy? Is He worthy? The song says, He is. So here's what we know. Do you love the Lord that much? Do you have the strength of faith to walk faithfully with God? We don't know how strong something is until it's tested. Right? We'll not know if our faith is strong enough to stand in trouble sometimes until our faith is tested. But just remember that Jesus is worthy of our faith and of us walking with him.
So let's take this encouragement and understand we can walk faithfully in troubled times. And we should walk faithfully in troubled times because God is worthy today. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the time that we have to be in your house. And I pray, God, that we will understand how worthy you are of our faithfulness. And I pray, Lord, that each of us that are here today will be faithful to walk with you even though we might face troublesome times. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.